Welcome to the You Can Man podcast, episode 57. I'm Josh. I'm Tim. And I'm Dave. And on this week's episode, Storm Prep. Hi guys, welcome back to the You Can Man podcast, where we believe what one man can do, you can do as well with a little help from your friends and the proper know-how. Well, we got Josh in studio this week, and we got Dave remote. Dave, say hello. Hello, everybody. Yeah, so still haven't drugged Dave back into the studio yet, so he's still uh, he's still over there on lockdown. I'm still isolated. Yeah, I, I, I talked Josh into coming, and we're still kind of six feet apart. And uh, it's been working, but so we're going to do a whole nother show on COVID-19, right? <laughs> right. Hey, and if you know, it we... sounds different. It's because he's sitting in my seat. So, mm. so Right. I mean, we I'm definitely, not happy, I'm not happy about it. We definitely could do an entirely entire other show on COVID-19, but we decided to take a little break from that. However, however, we do have some COVID-19 talk on our bonus segment. So you have to stick around for that. With us return special guest. Yes, exactly. And we'll we'll get to that uh, at the end of the show for our bonus segment. I wanted to take some time just to give shout outs to all of our new Facebook group. Uh, what do we call them? Members, yeah. I guess. How did we... Uh, it's the You Can Man Army. Yeah, the army. Welcome. Who? Uh, we, what did we gain? Like 100 people? Yeah, well, I started inviting a lot more. I started inviting a lot, a lot more of the ladies, too. Mm. And my ladies came through. They just were like, yes, I want to do this. And so I'm thinking, you know, well, a lot of ladies are into doing tons of DIY stuff. Like I know a lot of wives that I know that like the husband's not quite much into woodworking, but like she builds a table or something. Oh, you yeah. know? So, yeah. the, you know, this is you can man is not, you know, it's for the common man. Right. We, 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 we kind of do we need to change the name? No, no, no way. You can homo so sapien. <laughs> right. You, no. you can. Uh, yeah, we're definitely geared more toward, you know, we're, we're talking more so for for men for sure. But ladies, we are so glad that you're with us. And I think, Josh, did you look at somebody had invited like a ton of other people. So one of our existing members of the group had gone on and invited a bunch of his friends. So I did want to uh, let everybody know. So there should be a function kind of towards the top, I think. And it'll say, you know, suggest this group to or invite uh, your friends to this group and there'll be, you know, your pre-populated friends list or something there. And so you can invite people to join the UK man group that you think might enjoy being a part of it. So take some time to do that. And another thing I've gone through and I've started adding topics to a lot of our posts and I haven't made it all the way because there's so many posts. I haven't made it all the way through. However, I was going to give a quick shout out to Brad Woodall, Brad, I gave you your own topic because you're you, you he's probably one of our top contributors, honestly. Oh sure. And so he's done this. All star. Oh for sure. He's he he's did this entire series on building this amazing deck, and, and he's got it all on YouTube, and he's got a whole YouTube one on building out a workshop in his basement. Right. And it's all like nicely done stuff yeah super detail oriented and so if you have questions about building a deck or all kinds of stuff he, he does like he did like a tool review did a thing on crown molding the other day so anyways if you want to check out any of his stuff now you can click on the topic that is brad woodall so brad thanks so much uh, for being such an amazing contributor so 
I was going to mention that I finally got out the mosquito backpack blower sprayer thing. So if you guys have not heard, uh, well, I guess it was our very first episode. So if you're a longtime listener, you would have heard this, but I have a pro- like a professional mosquito elimination backpack blower death thing and it's the most legitimate piece of yard equipment i think i've ever seen it's yeah crazy to see you use that thing yeah so it's got a tank on it you fill it with pesticides and it just like launches the pesticides up underneath you know under on the underside of the leaves and stuff where the mosquitoes are at so i got that out recently and um, i'm actually letting a friend use it because uh carpenter bees were attacking his house again and so the stuff that i use would protect against that too so yeah but uh what what do you guys been up to you so uh i did spring break last week so we you know piled in the van and drove across state lines and went to the beach Uh okay i'm just kidding uh our spring break was um all of us in our house but i got to turn we, me and my wife, got to turn our office back into an office because for about two and a half years, it has become a storage room. And it just had one little path to my desk. And it was embarrassing. And so we have pulled everything out, took out three of those giant, hefty, like those awesome trash bags that don't rip. Uh Three of those out of the room, filled up boxes to give away, and man, it's awesome. So you went through every item. Do we need this? Yes, like paperwork, everything. Um, Did you hang anything on the walls? Not yet. Um, So I found we have to buy things. When I started hanging stuff, when I started hanging stuff up on my walls in, in my in my office, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like this is that's why people do. It just makes it way more homey. And uh, I can think more clearly. It's fantastic. Yeah. When we buy, we're going to buy some bookcases and then we're going to be able to call it a study and we're going to get a leather chair for the corner. Oh, all right. Let's to not read. Get you know, it's story. going to be amazing. Um, but it's cleaned out now. Still a couple things to do. I also bought a new shelving unit for our, our real storage room and got that sorted out. So uh, it only took like six and a half days of spring break to do that. But so, you had plenty of time at home to do that. Yes. That was our spring break. For sure. <laughs> Dave, you, Dave, you got anything to add before we get into our uh, topic today? I didn't take spring break last week. I was working. So uh-huh. not, not a whole lot of exciting stuff going on around the Greenwood household. Uh, hey, we should be taking a Bronco out again, I think, shortly. So we've got... Uh, let, me, let me talk about the Bronco. Okay. So go for it. You let my boys go in the Bronco twice so far this season. Uh, which they love, and I've got pictures of them in this classic Bronco. Well, their uh, poppy came over, uh, their grandfather, my father-in-law, came over Saturday before Easter in his Corvette. He's got like a 2019 Corvette or whatever. And he rolls up in that thing, and he's like, take, you should take the boys for a ride. So I put the booster seat in the front seat. And one by one, took him on a ride in the Corvette. Then I'm just thinking in my brain, I'm like, in my entire life, from zero to 18 <laughs> years old, I rode in like one cool car. It was my right. best friend Ian's 1965 Mustang. Yeah, I remember that thing. That was sweet. And like that's that was and that was when I was like 15, 16 years old. 
these little boys have already ridden like classic Bronco, Stingray Corvette. Like, yeah, they don't know what it's. They don't where know where do we go from now, here? The, obviously, the question I've got to ask is, what did they enjoy the the most? Was it the Bronco or the Corvette? They like the Bronco, I think, because they can see out of it. When they're in the Corvette, like the window sills like oh, almost yeah. above their head. My older son could kind of see, but they did like it when I goosed uh, the Corvette oh, sure. and pushed them in the seat. They like that. Well, so. when you're when you're a kid and you're in a vehicle with the top down, there's that just I think that speaks to the child in yes. all of us. Everybody loves it, and so that's it's kind of cheating. Pure, pure freedom. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's get into our topic for today: storm prep. So we are still recording week to week. And so this, uh, we're actually recording this one, gosh, on Monday and it's going to drop on Wednesday. And so locally here, we just had some storms come through. So this topic is definitely top of mind. And these same, the same storm system wreaked a lot of havoc, uh, throughout the South, honestly. And so, and it's headed up North now. Yeah. The coast. And for those of you that don't know, Josh is our official weather nerd. Wannabe. Yeah. Wannabe. Yeah. But if you got a question about weather stuff, you just you just contact Josh. It's just what you do. And, and so when he doesn't know the answer, then you contact Dave and I'll tell you the, the truth. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but Josh has been into weather. I mean, it's it's probably been like 10 years that you've really been like that's been like your thing. I would yeah, say. when technology, you know, when the technology becomes accessible to the masses, like more people can get their hands on it. I am by no means. We had Josh Palmer on and he's like the amateur astronomy guy. I'm not I'm nowhere even near that level. I, I am a yeah, the most amateur level of weather. That but you you're can really be into. into weather and magic and Star Wars. Wow. So, you know. Okay. <laughs> Lies. Two lies and a truth. No, just, yeah, just just one of them. Okay, so yeah, this is my this is my my topic week, uh, and we're gonna do some storm preparedness, specifically geared toward the southeast, Midwest tornadoes. We're talking. Okay. I'm not into like hurricane prep. You can see the hurricane coming usually like five days, six days out or further, um, and there's like a whole. It's a whole different animal. You've got you know just counties and states on shutdown could right. be without power whereas tornado it's like it's going to be at your front door in 15 minutes yes yes so um, florida with hurricanes and so you got to make sure that your trailer is tied down really tight. sure and florida is real lucky because they get a lot of tornadoes and hurricanes so double bonus there all right so yesterday, last night, we had, this was actually, some people were texting me because, um, yeah, they think I know about weather. So they're like, hey, what's going on? Do, do we need to be concerned for real? And I was like, yeah, you know, I've, and I didn't look this up, but I was like, I think this is the most, like the highest threat level in at least five years, maybe longer. Like the it was, people. It was five years. They, they said, they said um, I think the most serious, they said a top five event in terms of um severe weather in georgia so top five all time yeah so it was they saw it coming and they're like okay let's pay attention to this and actually as of 8 a.m today and this is monday the storms came through last night there were 141 tornado warnings put out like not not confirmed tornadoes but tornado warnings which was the highest for the country in eight years and eight years ago was actually april 
Well, April 2011th was actually the highest. I don't know if you guys remember those tornadoes. They went through Alabama and Tuscaloosa, and there was 450 tornado warnings that day in April 2011. So that was called the super outbreak. Uh, It was one of the worst days for tornadoes on record. 216 confirmed tornadoes. We actually have somebody that listens to the podcast. Um, I'll shout out to Willard. He lives in Coleman, Alabama, and it got hit like by an EF4 straight on. Um, Coleman was getting hit last night. Oh, yeah, man. that's not a. There, we can, we'll talk about that in a second. But um, anyway, that outbreak, that outbreak in 2011, killed over 300 people and injured over 3,000. So that's kind of the point of this. Is yes, like getting hit by a tornado is probably less likely than getting hit. Lightning, but it does a lot of damage. Like there's a lot of injuries. Three thousand people injured in in one outbreak is 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 pretty significant. So, what can you do? What do you need to do? How do you prepare? So that's what we're going to talk about. So, most people know this. This is like general knowledge. Tornado season is basically April, May, and June. Um, Most tornadoes happen in Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Nebraska, Missouri. And that's called Tornado Alley. I'm not mentioning every single state, but there's also a secondary Tornado Alley, which is often called Dixie Alley, that runs through Mississippi, Alabama, northern, north, northern central Georgia, which is kind of where we are. We are right on the tail end, I feel like, and we're in Cobb County, Georgia, which is metro Atlanta. And this is kind of the line where like tornadoes kind of pull off the gas a little bit. Typically, a lot of the counties just north of us get hammered pretty good every time we have one of these. But anyway, April, May, June. And again, if you're in Georgia, Alabama, these storms often hit, you know, 4 p.m. or later, 4 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. at night. So it's hard to see them coming sometimes. So what do we need to do to prepare ourselves? Well, the number one thing you can do is build a storm shelter. Now, do we all have the resources to do that? Yeah, just just truck in a truckload of concrete and build a a storm shelter in your garage. Yep. So This is actually one of my dream jobs to do at my house. So I've seen the ones where you you bury them basically under your garage. They can pull in the slab, dig it out, and put a bunker down there. And you can actually park on top of it. Josh, I'm sure you're about to mention that. Yeah, no, I wasn't. But that's, no, that those are very cool. And you can, you can reinforce your existing house. You could turn a room into like a super reinforced room, concrete, to do that. Uh, I know people out in Oklahoma, there's not a lot of basements out in Oklahoma. And people will just, yes, in their garage, they'll either put it below the garage or just in the corner of the garage, they'll build out a concrete room that they can just jump into. And it's just literally enough for your family to stand in there while a tornado passes through and then you walk out. And again, these aren't long-term events. A, a tornado will not be on the ground on top of your house for longer than two minutes. And that would be a huge tornado. So it, a shelter doesn't have to be super fancy, but it should be adequate. You know, you need to know that you're actually being protected. Second best option is what we talk about. And that is for most people, go to your basement and or if you don't have a basement, you go to the middle of your home. The most interior room of your house. Most interior room. If it's a bathroom, that's great, but it really doesn't matter a whole lot. There's what some, about getting in the bathtub? I've heard that. You can do that. I mean, any extra shielding you can put around your body because most injuries occur from airborne objects or airborne right. debris. And it could be stuff... 
I mean, when a tornado is moving at 150, 200 miles, the wind is moving at those speeds, the little things can cause huge damage. So yes, being in a bathtub is not going to hurt anything. And some people talk about, you know, the plumbing infrastructure can even provide even more. Hmm, Who knows about that? Interior room, no windows is the ideal spot. Basement is even more ideal. And again, interior, no windows. If you know how much an area is below grade in your basement, so if you have a sloping lot, one end of the home might not be very below grade, but the other end of the home is yeah, more you below grade. Be, you want to be the most underground you can get. Right. Because these things come through and they just kind of like a bulldozer across the earth. They just wipe things clean. So if they're big enough and that's, those are really your best options on top of that, you know, covering yourself with blankets, couch cushions, a mattress. Um, these are all things you can do. And again, you don't need to spend all night like that. This is, these are things you're doing when a tornado is imminent, imminent, it's gonna on the ground coming to, and the, the radars have gotten fairly sophisticated. I feel like when these storm systems are coming through, you can, I mean, I guess different parts of the country maybe don't have as accurate as radars. Maybe we do in the metro Atlanta area, but they have it so accurate to where they're like, okay, this street, this tornado is likely going to hit your street in the next five minutes. Yeah. I think the national weather service has made a lot of investments in areas that have uh, that experience more tornadoes, um, especially out Oklahoma, Texas Panhandle area. And yeah, they can tell you, hey, you know, hunker down if you're in this neighborhood because uh, it's coming to you. And yeah, I remember when I was a kid, we would spend nights in the basement because oh yeah, they just didn't know. They're like, we know bad weather's coming, but the, the, the radars were not sophisticated enough. They're just like, spend the night downstairs. And also... The sirens that are around, and, and again, it depends on your area and infrastructure, but we have good tornado siren systems around here that'll, you know, that mo- most of the time can wake you up in the middle of the night. Again, when you're in a tornado warned area, you don't have to spend, Dave, all night up watching <laughs> the radars and watching TV and, you know, lose sleep because technology is your friend. That's kind of my next my next I, I want to know. I got a question for you guys, though. Are you the type where you could just sleep through it? Like, meaning, or, or are you like, are you worried about it to the do- degree? I'm kind of just like, you know what? Ah, it'll be fine, whatever. And well, there's, I mean, it's one of the, it's like, whatever, a, go ahead, Dave. I was just going to say, for whatever reason, last night's outbreak really got to me. I, when I was younger, I was, I was really, I was fearful. I was, I was afraid of, uh, of storms because I went through a couple of pretty bad tornadoes when I was younger, but for some reason yesterday I was I was pretty nervous about it, and so I don't have a basement. Uh, one other thing that you can do, I don't think Josh mentioned that that we actually did is put helmets on. We didn't do this last night, but I got so we don't have a basement. My house is kind of like a sitting duck. We're up on a rise. There's a crawl space. It's about four feet tall, so my house is kind of like up in the air a little bit, and so we we have a closet that we get into underneath the stairs, and uh, I put all our helmets in there. So that, you know, I mean, generally speaking, if you're going to get hurt in a tornado, it's going to be from debris. I think Josh mentioned that. And so putting helmets on is another thing you can do to protect yourself. Something else that I did, which uh, I had been meaning to do and yesterday prompted me, so this is a good thing, was um, my crawl space door, the hinge was broken on it. And uh, one of the hinges was broken, so the door was just kind of hanging there and I just propped it up against the house. You want to have everything. There's an old wives' tale that that I used to hear people say that, 
when there's a tornado around, you want to open up a window because it like relieves pressure inside the house. That is a, a terrible, terrible thing to do. You know, just speaking as an engineer, you want the envelope of your house to be completely sealed off. Once a window goes, that's bad. So when 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 wind gets inside the house, it doesn't have anywhere to go. That's when the house is going to go. So you want to keep all the windows closed. So I went down underneath my house and uh, actually put new hinges on the door, got that all sealed up. So that was good to go. Uh, checked all my windows. So I got a little maintenance done you know, <laughs> yesterday's outbreak. It was kind of nice. That's good. I like your point about the helmets um, because, yeah, again, debris, head injuries, not a good combo. Uh, and saving your head in, in any kind of accident is a good idea. Prepare for it. Like Dave said, the helmets were waiting there in case they needed them. You don't want to be going to go get a helmet as the tornado is bearing down on you. That's the wrong thing. Um, so no, it, yeah. it takes like an hour to prepare. You know, I grabbed the helmets, I grabbed shoes and I grabbed flashlights, put them all in the closet and we were good to go. We didn't, we ended up not needing them, but yeah, like Josh said, take a little bit of time the day of or the day before just to prepare and uh, to get everything ready. Yep. Just have a plan. We've talked about, you know, we did the, the fire drill episode, have a plan, have a plan, have a plan, you know, COVID-19 have a plan. And Let's get into one more. Well, we covered like storm shelter and then we covered most people's houses. And then there's another category of like inadequate shelter cars, not adequate shelter. Now, if you can outrun the tornado, maybe um, I don't know how many people get that opportunity. You know, mobile homes, the, not a good option. You, you don't you'd rather be basically on the ground in a ditch than in a mobile home because it's just a big kite. Like it's just going to get picked up by the wind. And those things, those are dismissed. tornado magnets. Like, I feel like tornadoes just look for those things yeah. and just, they're like, you're out of here. Now, mobile homes, you maybe you have a storm shelter outside in the ground. That would be awesome. So get into that um, as soon as possible. Um, another, I like the myth. I love that you mentioned that myth because it bothers me. Yeah, as soon as you open a window, you A, allow, you know, access to like crap flying in your house. And then you also, yes, you're like filling your Put, you're pressurizing your house basically more than normal. So keep all the yeah, keep all the penetration sealed as much as possible. Another myth is the overpass myth about hunkering down under an overpass. And this goes back to I've looked into this. It was an Oprah Winfrey episode where it was like when VHS like camcorders first came out. This was in the 80s sometime, and somebody a dad like ran was running yeah, the I remember camera this. and ran up under the overpass and up in the corner of it, you see those concrete like ramps that go and he went right up under the girders, took his family and he just rolled the camera the whole time. The kids were screaming and they got hit like a direct hit by this tornado and it went through like it, they survived. Right. So this became like a thing. And the problem is, is not, you know, there's two problems when you put yourself into a tighter space, the, the wind moves faster. So the wind moves faster through a tighter space. So there's way more potential for injury. Secondarily, the, and the most prob the, the biggest problem it causes for a lot of like storm chasers that, you know, see a lot of this behavior is it causes a traffic jam on the road because people just stop their cars in the road and get out to run to the overpass. And now you have, you know, dozens of cars on each side of the interstate that cannot get through. They can't, they have no opportunity to even get away from the tornado. And so you have all these sitting ducks. So that's another one that's not, not a great idea. So what do you do to prep? 
Dave talked about a couple things, you know, get the room ready, get your helmets, get your blankets, whatever, you know, if the kids are going to be down there and they're groggy, you know, throw some sleeping bags in there and then something to cover you up uh, if necessary. You also want to go ahead beforehand, get your phones charged because you're likely to lose power if, if your house is being destroyed. Cell phone towers, if, if they're not hit, the cell phones will still work. Weather radio, battery-powered weather radio, just so you can um, stay updated. You know, a lot of, the, if the phones are working, you may not need it, but who knows. Set your iPhone. Like, if you have an iPhone, I'm sure Android has something similar. Your iPhone can be set up just like uh, for Amber Alerts. There's a weather alert option that will notify you if there's a severe thunderstorm warning or a tornado warning. And it'll break through all area. of the, like, do not disturb. Yes, you can turn on, like, sound. Like, so it'll always sound off when something is in your county. Right. And so that's, and that's kind of my point about you can go to sleep. If, if you set up these things ahead of time, you can go to sleep and uh, either get woken up by a siren that's going off outdoors or by the app. And they actually run off the pretty much the same system, like the national weather service, Twitter. I used Twitter last night because I have like two meteorologists that are local that I follow that are always up to date on this stuff. And they're tweeting like constantly when, when storms are rolling in. And so I turn those notifications on temporarily for those certain people. So whenever they tweeted, I'd get an alert and I could check it out. Uh, so that's another thing I did. There's just, you know, there's a handful of stuff. This isn't rocket science. It's not, you know, anything magical. You don't really need to know anything about weather. Just prepare ahead right. of time and know where you live. Yeah, and I, I would say that uh, along the lines of our fire preparedness episode, this is really a lot of common sense. However, having this said out loud just reminds you, oh, yeah, I, I know that I needed to do that. But now that I've heard it again, it's reminding me that I'm actually going to do it. So that's kind of where we're at with this. Coming up on the springtime weather patterns, and we might be seeing a lot of tornadoes. Hopefully this is giving you guys some encouragement to get your stuff together to make sure that you and your family are safe. Yeah, and it's something you can rehearse again without, if you have kids, without scaring the kids. It's just like, hey, once every five years or so, or if you live you know, in the Texas Panhandle, Every every April, uh, we're going to drill this or every March we're going to drill this. And this is just where we go. It's a, it's a part of life and you don't, don't need to get freaked out because, you know, I remember a couple of years as a kid, like you'd be getting super freaked out about tornadoes. But it's one of those things you can't control, but you can control how prepared you are. Last thing I'll mention, two resources for you. FEMA.gov and ready.gov have great, easy printout PDF forms of, hey, here's how you can be prepared for a tornado. It kind of runs through everything we mentioned here. And that's pretty much it. Okay. Well, good deal. Well, hopefully this guy, this has given you guys some encouragement to get your stuff together uh, and be prepared for the coming spring storms that we are likely to see. We're going to take a quick break. And like I mentioned earlier in the show, we do have some COVID-19 stuff and it has to do with Chick-fil-A. So stick around. We'll be back after the break. 
This episode is sponsored by 1776 United. 1776 United is a patriotic and historically inspired lifestyle brand. They make the best patriotic shirts and apparel on the market today. I personally own many of their products, and if you want to don patriotic gear without looking gaudy, check them out on Instagram, Facebook, and at 1776united.com. All right, guys, welcome back. We've got Josh Young. Uh, if you'll remember, he was a previous guest of ours on our Chick-fil-A series. I don't know. What number episodes were those? Do we know? 36 and 37. No, it was like 8 and 9 or something. Yeah, I think it was early. pretty... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think it was pretty early on. Is he our first return guest? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so, Josh. Congratulations. Okay, so Josh is joining us remotely from California and he's in Thousand Oaks, California, which is what, Josh, like northeast? No, northwest yeah, of LA? Kind of northwest, yeah. We're kind of, uh, we're probably like 40 miles from downtown. Right, right. Okay, so I actually, I've been out to see Josh twice in the past like seven months, and I just went, when was that, Josh? Was that in March? I yes. guess it was March. Oh, man, everything is blurring. Yeah, I feel like it was early March. Right. So I, I went out there for like 10 days, I think, and I left really just as the stuff was kind of ramping up. So his restaurant was still open. I remember going in and y'all were doing a lot more uh, cleaning in the dining area just as a precaution. But since then, like right after I left, I think it was a few days later, that was like California was like, we are on shutdown. And so they were ahead of the country, I think, to, to do the whole shelter in place thing and shutting down dining areas and that sort of thing. So, Josh, tell us what Chick-fil-A has done to combat COVID-19. And, you know, we, we also want to talk about how you're taking care of your employees and that sort of thing. But from the little bit that I know, Chick-fil-A, of course, is going to do like the best of everything. And so it sounds like they are going above and beyond to combat, you know, the spread of the virus. And they're doing everything that they can to make their customers still happy and for business to still go on. So take it away. Talk, talk to us about what Chick-fil-A has been doing. Yeah, well, you know, I mean... <clears throat> We are, uh, we feel like this is, we've kind of prepared for this. Uh, we've been running a lot of different drive-through uh, plays for a long time now, um, as you guys have seen. And if your listeners are regular customers of Chick-fil-A, you've already seen people outside taking orders, trying to move the drive-through quickly. Well, at this point, um, I mean, across the country, Chick-fil-A has dining rooms all closed. The only dining rooms that are open um, are for carryout only um, and for delivery drivers. Our dining room is actually completely closed um, and some Chick-fil-A's have chosen to do that. So for delivery, we're running, we're running food out to the patio for delivery drivers and doing curbside delivery for customers. But we, um, I mean, we felt like we were really prepared to shut the dining room down and move to drive-through only. Um, it kind of forces the forces people not to be close to each other, which is you know the big the biggest risk. Um, so, I mean, some of the stuff we're doing, like we we just installed a mobile hand washing station outside, and so I literally have a big uh, Cambro um, insulated container with a spout on it, uh, hand soap, a catch basin, and paper towels. 
and all the people that are outside taking orders are have on masks and gloves. Every 30 minutes, they're washing their hands and simultaneously using uh, Purell um, alcohol-based sanitizer to sanitize their credit swipes and um, their iPads out there. Of course, inside, everybody's wearing masks and gloves, uh, whether they come in contact with food or not, whether they're bagging um, or taking orders or, or preparing food. Um, the rule in my restaurant is you walk behind the counter, your mask is up. Uh, the only time your mask can be down is if you're out in the dining room, which um, our dining room has become just this massive uh, employee break area. Where we're <laughs> hanging out. We've got a, we've got a TV set up. Um, I log my Netflix account into it so people can watch TV on their break. Ah, that's um, cool. We have, uh, actually my wife Mallory, um, just a few hours ago, got back from a, a Costco run about two times a week. We've been loading up a couple of tables with snacks, you know, chips and fruit and candy and all kinds of stuff. So when people come out on their break or when they're getting ready to go home, they can grab, they can grab something. Um, that's, yeah, I mean, that's awesome. As, as far as protecting customers, I mean, we, nobody comes in the, inside the restaurant except for Chick-fil-A employees. Uh, we have about the same amount of people on, on the clock at any given time, maybe slightly less depending on, uh, depending on the time of the day. Breakfast has been really slow. Um, as you can imagine, people are at home. That routine has shifted. People aren't coming through on their way to work and school. So breakfast is very slow. And breakfast has been, breakfast out there for Chick-fil-A breakfast in California still hasn't quite caught on to where it is here in Atlanta, right? So that's already right. a little bit slower than it would be at a typical like Atlanta store though, right? I mean, we were open from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. this morning and we had... Um, Five customers. Wow. I mean, just I'll say, yeah, I'll say I this. people on the clock during that time. So I, it's not I, almost exclusively Chick-fil-A is the only restaurant that I've been eating out or, you know, bringing back to my house during this, you know, all this craziness. Cause I know if there's one fast food place, that's going to be on top of their game. It's going to be Chick-fil-A. Right. And so based on what you've said, that is absolutely, uh, absolutely true. Yeah. Well, just I mean, I, I think we talked about this when I when I was on before, but food safety has been just an incredible push for Chick-fil-A over the past uh, really decade, but hardcore over the past five years. And so hand washing every 30 minutes, which has been like the CDC and all the health department guidance has been make sure you're washing your hands every 30 minutes. I mean, that was like a check. Like we already had a 30 minute hand washing timer set years ago like oh, that's wow. just kind of a normal part of our everyday life so it's not that wasn't unusual for us we're already talking about food safety a lot it's sort of like now customers are kind of heightened so we're doing a couple things i mean i'll be honest with you putting on gloves is not any safer than just using your hands if you're right you know not touching anybody's hand or we're not touching anybody's credit cards and that kind of stuff so it's not really any safer but it gives off the the appearance of being safer so when i have somebody wash their hands and put on a pair of gloves customer sees that they feel more safe, um, with that experience. So you know, we're doing all kinds of little, little things that make people feel good. I, I'll tell you what, like trying to source masks has been pretty difficult. Thankfully, Chick-fil-A has, um, 
has secured some bandana style masks for us. But um, up until this point, I have a regular customer here um, in Thousand Oaks whose husband owns um, a mortgage company. And he had these uh, bandana style kind of masks, the things that you like pull up if you're skiing, you know, like you could put it around your neck like a yeah. scarf, but then you just pull it up. A gator. Uh, yeah, I think it's called like a buff. Anyway, she, uh, she texted me the morning that the CDC said, hey, everybody should probably be wearing masks um, after all. She texted me and said, hey, I've got a bunch of these left over from an event that he did and we haven't been able to find a way to use them. Would you guys want them? So she brought us like a hundred of these things. So, um, you know, we've had, we've had, uh, access to that. We've had customers coming through that are just so grateful that we're open and that we're taking all the steps that we're taking. So it's been great, but yeah, I mean, take, taking care of those employees is, is important. And I'll just encourage you guys and anybody who has the opportunity to go through, um, and deal with uh, somebody who's working at a Chick-fil-A or any, any restaurant for that matter. Um, if you're scared, they're scared. So, you know, just, think that way when you're interacting with people, try to have a little extra grace in that because man, um, I've got these like high school and college students that are just out here, like serving people and they didn't sign up to be wearing a mask for an eight hour shift or, or have to, you know, have their hands cracked from having to wash them, you know, over and over and over. Right. It's it's crazy. It's crazy time, but we're taking care of them and taking care of taking care of our customers. Yeah. I was going to mention, I, I went to a local Chick-fil-A here and I did the curbside pickup because the drive-thru was all backed up. So I was like, oh, I'll try the curbside thing. So they had marked off spaces. You know, I pulled into the one and I hit the button. You know, I'm in space four or whatever. Well, they brought out the food and she brought it. I was going to ask if your Chick-fil-A is doing this. She brought it on a on a tray that had like sides, but she wasn't touching the bag at all. Like she didn't hand it to me, right? So she just brought the tray up to my car and then I picked up the bag. Is that part of something or is that like just that Chick-fil-A? Yeah, no, that's like, that's going to be chain wide. So, so basically we're trying to, um, we're trying to eliminate the chance that, uh, that anybody's going to come into like actual hand to hand contact. So right, uh, okay. any way we can do that. Like, so if you go through the drive through right now, you know how typically you hand them their, your credit card and they swipe it. Um, if you're paying with a credit card through the drive through right now, they're going to hold that credit swipe up for you to swipe it yourself. So, that, so there's no chance um, when we're delivering food, whether we're handing it out through the drive-through window or doing it curbside, we're putting it in like either like a plastic, like Rubbermaid, you know, like plastic container or on one of our plastic trays or something like that. So that we're presenting the food to you and you reach in and grab it. Um, I mean, literally today we had, we, we did that for a customer in the drive-through and they kind of grabbed the bucket to try to pull it into their car and grab the stuff. And we're like, Oh, kind of defeats the purpose. So we had to bring it right back inside, wash, rinse, sanitize (laughs) the bucket that we're trying to not touch. You know, when all this dies down, are we going to be able to turn off these crazy behaviors that we're having to, you know, to start doing right now? It just seems, seems I hope so. You know, the, the extent that we're having to go, go uh, to, to be, to be safe or, you know, to at least make ourselves think that we're being safe. And I just feel like some people, I don't know. I feel like we're creating phobias. Or maybe yeah, like this is this is not worse. a good this is not a good long term play, shaking and it, it shouldn't hands. be. I, I, shaking hands with people. I mean, I, like just the normal like human interaction. Like I've met people. I mean, I'm at I'm at my restaurant, right? I'm out in the parking lot most days. I've been there, you know, at least five days a week. Most days, six days a week, um, out in the parking lot trying to direct traffic. Because you can imagine 
12 to one. Normally we do 50% of our business in the drive-thru and 50% of the people come inside. Now a hundred percent of that business is trying to get through our drive-thru in an hour. Um, so I'm out there directing traffic. We're trying to create extra lanes. Um, but I've met so many people, you know, just out in the drive-thru saying hello. And like the normal thing is to walk over, even if they're in their car and kind of shake their hand and get kind of close and have a conversation. But we, you know, we're having to train ourselves to, to pull away from that and not do those things. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be really strange once things start to start to get back to normal, if they do. I'm, I'm hoping it's, it's going to be a very seasonal thing. Um, I think most doctors would say, you know, we need to be exposed to things. Kids need to be exposed to different germs and bacteria, but there are things like COVID-19 where there's no vaccination and exposure can be very deadly for a lot of people um, in kind of the same way the flu is on a seasonal basis. We have vaccines for the flu, but maybe I hope this is going to train us that, yeah, certain times a year, let's maybe keep our space and not, you know, slobber on each other and, and wipe our hands or wipe our noses with our hands and shake hands and things like that. But then, you know, summertime, get back to normal. That's, that's my, uh, that's my hope. Yeah, we'll hope so. Well, Josh, dude, thanks so much for, uh, calling in, uh, this, this week, I guess we kind of talked about, uh, COVID stuff for the past, like three episodes or whatever, but Hey, it's, it's like, life now. It's a pretty big deal. Right. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been great to chat with you guys. And, um, yeah, I just encourage you. Uh, every one of those Chick-fil-A's has an individual owner operator like me, like I said, when, when I was on with you guys several months back. So get out and support those small businesses, just like you're supporting other small businesses that are still able to be open right now. Um, you know, we're, we're counting on it. So we appreciate the business and I guarantee you wherever you're at in the country, you've got, uh, you've got a, if you've got a Chick-fil-A close by, you've got somebody like me who's, uh, who's there trying to figure it out and, and make it as safe as we possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Josh. Josh, great to have you on, man. Good to hear from you. Yeah. Happy to be with you guys. All right, guys, that's going to do it this week for the You Can Man podcast. Definitely check out our Facebook facebook group page and leave us a review on apple podcasts we'll catch you guys next time